Hi, friends. You've tuned into yet another episode of Sitting at the Feet of Jesus, a podcast of Bible teachings. I'm Patrick Ransom, your host and teacher today, and this is the final episode of our three-part series on loving the unlovable. I sure hope you've enjoyed uh, tuning into these series as much as I have uh, giving them. Um, they really have been a blessing. Uh, if you've missed either one of these episodes, either episode one or two, I highly recommend that you go back and catch up on those. Uh, you won't want to miss out on those. So as we're wrapping up our discussion today, asking ourselves, how do we love the unlovable? We're going to look to the one who perfectly modeled this for us. And friends, that's Jesus. And it's in one of the most intimate settings in all the Bible. It's in the upper room. Have you ever had an, an epiphany, a revelation, a, a light bulb that just came on? I want to share with you a shocking truth uh, that I learned when I was reading about the Upper Room uh, in this book called Lessons from the Upper Room by Sinclair B. Ferguson. Uh, I highly recommend this book. It is a fantastic walk. Um, but I had this revelation, uh, and I have studied this upper room passage here in John chapter 13 before, but the light bulb came on for me. I had just never thought about this particular situation before. Uh, it's something I have overlooked uh, ashamedly. I can't believe that it has not popped out to me. I hope for you today that it is also a revelation as we walk through this. Um, so go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 13. Now I want to provide a little bit of background, a little bit of setting on what's happening here in chapter 13. I want you to remember this is Jesus meeting with his disciples in order to observe the Feast of Passover. And in the ancient Near East, uh, they would meet up, upstairs here in this particular setting uh, around a table. And these tables are not like our modern day tables. These tables are low to the ground. They're anywhere between uh, probably six to eight inches high. And the disciples are in a lounging position around the table, right? They're, they're resting on an elbow, and their feet are pointed away from the table, and Jesus is in a position of authority where the disciples could hear him teach. And we're told here in the first three verses of chapter 13 that Jesus knew three things, that his hour has come, that would be in short order. Jesus would be glorified through his death, resurrection, and ascension. Secondly, the text also tells us that Jesus knew that Judas would betray him at this point. And three, that Jesus knew that the Father had given him all things. Y'all, this is Jesus' final meal with his beloved disciples. These are the, the folks that he has been living life with for the last three years. And it has come down to this final meal, and it says that he had loved them to completion, to the fullest, all the way to the end. He had completed their training, and it's during this final evening with the Twelve that he needed to only review one more important lesson. Let me just ask you, if you knew that you only had 24 hours to live, and 12 of your closest friends were gathered around you for one last meal, 
what would be the most urgent thing that you would want to leave them with? A lasting thought. Friends, this is the picture of what's happening in the upper room. It is a true picture of humility. Now look with me here at verse 4. It says, Now Jesus got up from the table, and he took off his robe, and he wrapped a towel around his waist and poured it into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. Can you picture it? Can you picture the disciples that are sitting around this table? And here is Jesus. He's he's gotten up from his position of authority. He's wrapped this towel around his waist. He's got a basin of water. And he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Uh, Friends, the first thing I want to leave us with here today is uh, when it comes to loving the unlovable, is it all begins with an act of humility. Jesus slipped away from the table, a place of prominence, and he silently trades his robes for the attire of a, a slave. Now, not just any slave, I want you to understand, but this is the lowest ranking of slaves. A slave who washed the road grime from the feet of house guests. Understand the ancient Near East, right? These these disciples would have been wearing sandals, barely covered the foot, and all of the dirt and dust and grime that they had walked around from would have been caked on these disciples' feet, and here is Jesus in an act of humility taking on the role of a servant and washing their feet. Now, if anyone in the room deserved to be treated like a king, it was it was Jesus. And if anyone was worthy of devotion, it was the Lord, yet he took it upon himself to become a servant of all. Now, Jesus gets to Peter uh, And we see that Peter has this back and forth conversation with him here in verses six through nine, basically saying, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet, right? Peter has the, the, the response that you and I would probably have. Lord, you know, he tucks his feet up underneath himself. You're not going to wash my feet. Not me, Lord. But Jesus says, you you, you don't understand. I, I have to wash your feet. You don't understand quite what I'm doing. Well, you know, and Peter being Peter just says, oh, well, if that's the case, then go ahead and just wash all of me, right? He doesn't get it. Wash my entire body. You got to love Peter, right? But Jesus, it says, keeps washing feet. Now, I don't want you to miss this because, friends, this is the epiphany I had. This is the shocking revelation that I received from reading this book by Sinclair Ferguson. Jesus keeps washing the feet of the disciples. Even the feet of Judas. Have you ever considered that before? The one who deserved to be treated like a king, the one who deserved all of our devotion, 
humbled himself, washing the feet of every person in that room, including the one who he already knew would betray him, Judas. Talk about loving the unlovable. How do we love the unlovable? Friends, it begins with an act of humility. Jesus demonstrated this by stepping down from a place of prominence and in humility watching the feet of his disciples. Second, look with me here in verses 6 through 11. Uh, We see this word wash in verses 5 and 6 and verses 8 and 12 and 14. And this is the word nipto, which means to wash part of a body. You know, when he's talking about washing the feet, he's washing a part of the body. But the word translated washed in verse 10 is luo, and it means to bathe all over. And it's it's an important distinction for us to make here. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples the importance of of a holy walk. Now, Peter had a difficult time accepting Jesus washing his feet because Peter himself was not ready to wash the feet of others. It takes humility and grace to serve others, but but friends, it also takes humility and grace to allow others to serve you and I. How do we love the unlovable? The second part is by keeping yourself clean. When God bathes us all over in salvation, he brings about our union with Christ, and that is a settled relationship that can never be changed. However, James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 27, that our communion with Christ depends on our keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. If we permit unconfessed sin in our lives, we hinder our walk with the Lord and we are unable to love the unlovable. And that, friends, is when we need to have our own feet washed. I wanted just to let you know that this entire picture of what's happening in the upper room is the gospel message. We have Jesus who is sitting at a place of prominence, right? Stepping down as God stepped down from heaven in the person of Jesus Christ as a servant to humanity to wash away their sins, to then go back and take his seat of prominence. I think, that, friends, that's why Jesus is telling Peter, you don't want to really know what I'm doing here. But it begins with an act of serving and humility. How do we love the unlovable? Our third part here, verses 12 through 17, through service. Through service to one another. And it's a service and humility that we're talking about. Humility is expressed equally to all. Jesus didn't ask his students, look with me here, In verse 12, he says this. He says, after washing their feet, just as Jesus put on his robe again and and sat back down, and he says, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I am your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Notice what he doesn't say. Notice, friends, that he doesn't say, Now that I've washed your feet, I want you to wash my feet. 
right? Let's face it, most of us would stand in line to wash the Savior's feet because he's worthy, but how many are ready to wash the feet of another person in your church or your family or someone you particularly don't like very much? Jesus is calling us to serve one another in humility, and that humility is expressed equally to all. Since verse 15, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are no greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So not only is humility expressed equally, it's humility turns the structure of authority in Christianity upside down, right? To become great in the new kind in the new kingdom, we become great by bowing low to serve one another, right? If you want to be first, you're last. You have to be last, right? It's it's countercultural, is what I'm saying. The world will tell you to be great, you got to be number one. Christianity says. To be first, you got to be last. Humility turns the structure of authority upside down. Humility is also practiced and not taught. Notice what, notice what happens here. Jesus doesn't promise to release a blessing on those who teach foot washing, but on those who do it. We see that in verse 17. Humility is a behavior one chooses to make habitual, even to the point that he or she forgets about the greatness of, that they're doing. So what what can we take away from this this account in the upper room? I have four lessons on loving the unlovable that we can extract from this upper room experience. Here the first one, humility is an action, not simply an attitude. What do I mean by that? Here one doesn't feel humble or think humble thoughts, but rather they just do humble deeds, right? Love is an action. You'll remember that from our part one of this series. Biblical love is an action. To love the unlovable requires us to take action. To wash their feet, Jesus had to do it, not just teach it. Humility is an action, not simply an attitude. Second, humility is unannounced. You'll notice Jesus didn't rise up from the table and boldly announce, I am now going to demonstrate humility by washing Judas's feet. No, he simply just began washing feet. You don't announce a humble deed, either before or after it's done. Quite often, you simply just see a need, and you meet that need, and folks, no one ever even knows you did it. Humility is unannounced. Third, Humility does not discriminate. Jesus washed the feet of every man in the room, including that of of Judas, the man he already knew who had made plans to betray him. Jesus didn't line up the disciples in order of closeness or loyalty or love or any other standard. He, He didn't wait for the traitor among them to depart on his evil mission before washing his feet. Y'all, he washed everyone's feet without favoritism or prejudice. Humility does not discriminate. And fourth and finally, humility includes serving one another, not 
just the Lord. Serving the Lord is the greatest delight in the world for you and I. Serving one another is is not quite as rewarding if we're completely honest with ourselves. The Lord is worthy of service and easy to love. However, our fellow soiled and sinful brothers and sisters are not always lovely and frequently fail to express gratitude. Nevertheless, genuine humility doesn't seek reward other than the joy of service itself. Friends, humility includes serving one another, not just the Lord. This concludes our three-part series in Loving the Unlovable. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, It truly is a blessing to walk through the upper room here in John 13. Have a blessed day.